Welcome to Local Voices. I'm Brad Ford. The Oregon Humane Society is holding its biggest fundraiser of the year, and you and your pup can help. Plus, a call to unite and how it can bring us all together. The Oregon Humane Society's biggest fundraiser of the year is underway, and because of the pandemic, it's a little different again this year. Laura Clink is with the Oregon Humane Society. Laura, tell us about Doggy Dash. So Doggy Dash is one of Portland's most beloved pet-friendly events. Doggy Dash has been happening at Waterfront Park for about 30 years. And in 2020 and again in 2021, we're having to get a little creative to keep everyone safe because obviously we cannot gather in large groups uh, at the waterfront like we used to. So last year we had a virtual event, and this year we are kind of doing a little bit of a twist on a virtual event. We are creating 30 days of Doggy Dash. So basically for a whole month we've got activities and games and trivia contests and all sorts of things planned so you can celebrate your love for pets, help the Oregon Humane Society, and um, you know just really spend that time with your pets. So tell us what in a normal year is Doggy Dash like? So Doggy Dash is um, usually at Waterfront Park. There's usually about six or 7,000 people there. We estimate usually about, oh, three to 4,000 dogs. Um, participants go on a one- to two-mile walk. We have a huge celebration um, at the Waterfront Park with a pancake booth and a libation station, and we usually have dozens of local businesses who have uh, booths at the event. Um, we have contests with K103. And uh, it's really, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's again just one of those really beloved events where people can bring their pets and um, you know have a lot of fun and spend the day and, and really bond. It's usually with your their dog. We have seen birds and some other um, uh, pets at the event, but um, you know it's one of those things every May. I think that everybody looks forward to. And so, you know, given uh, the challenges of the pandemic, we have gotten creative and are really trying to create some of that same spirit of that event, but in more of a virtual space. Yeah, and so that's what the 30 Days of Doggy Dash is. And so you say that these are are, are different activities each day? Different activities each day. We have a calendar of all the different activities, and every day at 9 o'clock we will unlock that day's activities. So it can be everything from participating in a photo contest to going on a specific walking route. We've got some great videos um, that really take you inside some of our programs and services, like our humane law enforcement team and our technical animal rescue team. We have drag bingo, which I think is going to be super fun. Um, that's coming up in early May. Um, we have um, other kind of interactive uh, sessions where you can learn how to give your dog a massage. One of my personal favorites is the tiny microphone interviews with shelter pets, which is hilarious. So, you know, again, just something for every day of the next 30 days to, um, you know, celebrate our love for animals. There's things you can do with your pet or in a smaller um, group setting. If you've got people within your inner circle, say, that have been vaccinated or who have been in your bubble, you can do some of these walks together. You can make pancakes together. We've got some great kind of cooking class type of things uh, within the 30 days. So there's there's really something for everyone. And the 30 days of Doggy Dash begins uh, April 16th and it goes through May 15th, but you can register 
any time during that period. So, you know, if, if it's early May and you think, oh, no, I missed the boat, you did not. You can still sign up for Doggy Dash. You can fundraise to help the pets at the Oregon Humane Society and participate in these really fun activities. So this is the big fundraiser for the Oregon Humane Society. How does that part of it work? So when you register, we give you a bunch of, um, first of all, when you register in the mail, um, you get a welcome packet, and that includes the calendar of activities, um, as well as a lot of information about how your fundraising helps the pets here at the shelter. Uh, you also get, um, just for signing up, you get a pass to the Columbia Employee Store, which is super cool. Um, but then we also provide a lot of tips and, and different tools so you can set up your own personal fundraising page, share a personal story about an animal that has meant something to you. And then we encourage you to share it with your friends and family on social media, texting friends and family. We have lots of great ideas for different fundraisers that you can do to help uh, shelter pets. So holding a garage sale or, you know, offering a service like mowing a lo- mowing someone's lawn or things like that. So there's all different ways that you can fundraise. And, and the most important thing is it, it truly funds the life-saving work that happens here at OHS. So looking at the website, one of the things that I noticed was a virtual festival. That's fur as in F-U-R, chul festival. What is that? So that's that's our uh, take on what we typically do at the waterfront with dozens of, of uh, vendor booths from different businesses in the area. And this is an online version of that. And so we have dozens of local businesses that are participating and many are offering deals. So like when you shop at a certain place on a certain day, 10% of their sales will go come to the shelter. So it, that includes everything from shopping at Mud Bay, um, pet supply store to opening a, a, an account at On Point Credit Union. Um, the, it's, it, there are dozens of just great partnerships with some of the businesses in our area who, who want to give back to the animals. Now, I also saw that there are prizes. How do you win prizes? So the prize part is really great, and that's really what makes the fundraising for Doggy Dash just a really fun experience. So when you fundraise, not only are you helping the animals at the Oregon Humane Society, you're also earning prizes. So even by earn, uh, fundraising as little as $50, you get one of these like cool design T-shirts. We do a different one every year. Um, we have things like sweatshirts um, and weekends at the coast and photo sessions. Um, a weekend in Sun River. And so every time you hit one of these different fundraising thresholds, you earn a new prize. So is this something you do as an individual or can you do it as a team? Uh, both. So we definitely encourage people to join a team. And so maybe it's with your family and friends. Maybe if you have been working remotely and you've got some coworkers that you haven't, you know, had a chance to do anything fun with, that this is a great way to build some camaraderie, maybe with your coworkers, um, in neighborhood, you know, association. Maybe you, you gather some folks that are on your block, maybe that you've already had some outdoor socializing with, and you can create a team, you know, Southwest Portland, you know, name it after your street or something like that. So, um, you know, we definitely encourage people to to join a team or form a team. It really does kind of bring that spirit and that camaraderie um, to life. But certainly you can participate as an individual. We're sending out emails every week to um, participants, both team participants and individual, that outline that upcoming week's activities and give you lots of, again, tips and tricks to um, uh, to help the pets at the shelter. 
And so what's the starting process? You mentioned registration. Is that something you do online? Yep. So you just go to OregonHumane.org slash Doggy Dash and sign up is quick and easy. And like I mentioned, you get that packet in the mail, that welcome packet in the mail. And I don't know about you, but I don't like I get uh, most of my my mail these days is electronic. So when I get something physically in the mail, I actually get really excited. And I have my uh, calendar uh, with a with a magnet on my fridge at home. We do have a little Doggy Dash magnet that also comes in your welcome packet. Um, And so you can follow along on the calendar. And then, like I mentioned, each Monday you'll get an email that talks about that week's activities. And on the Doggy Dash website, you'll see there's a a calendar of events. And then each day at 9 o'clock, one of those activities is unlocked. Now there's more exciting news for the Oregon Humane Society. There's a groundbreaking that went on for a couple of projects that are underway. It sounds like uh, there are at least two different projects that that are happening. Absolutely. The Oregon Humane Society has been in this community for 153 years, and so we are always looking at ways that we can continue to grow and serve the pets and people of this community. And we are starting a huge project here at the Oregon Humane Society called the New Road Ahead. And that campaign, that groundbreaking is actually in June. We did just announce a a large grant from the ASPCA. And the New Road Ahead includes two buildings. Uh, One building will house a community teaching hospital, and this will provide veterinary services for folks in our community who may not have been able to afford vet care for their pets. Um, And that same facility will also house an animal crimes forensic center. So that will help um, our humane law enforcement team and other agencies around the state and perhaps even across the country with gathering and analyzing evidence uh, for animal-related crimes. The other building that we are um, starting to construct is uh, the Behavior Rehabilitation and Rescue Center. So, you know, there, there, especially with some of these humane law enforcement cases, when we've got animals that have been the victims of abuse or neglect, sometimes they have, you know, some pretty severe fear issues or other behavior challenges. And we have an amazing training and behavior team that works with a lot of those animals. But they're currently doing it in the space here in our shelter. And so this will be a dedicated space to help some of these animals, cats and dogs, that need that extra, um, that extra very skilled, very um, uh, specific training and behavior modification. And the team here met with some of the folks from the ASPCA. They have a similar facility in North Carolina um, that they, um, you know, they work with uh, animals with some some pretty um, severe behavior challenges. And so our experts here collaborated with them as they were designing the building and designing the program. Um, That same facility will also be used for um, animal rescues. So, for example, I don't know if you recall in December, we were asked to assist with a case in uh, Springfield, Oregon, with a uh, involving 250 guinea pigs. And so we had to get creative here to, you know, fit them into an area that we usually use for cats and kittens. Um, But this Behavior Rehabilitation and Rescue Center will have dedicated space, so we'll be able to move quickly when when animals are in 
peril and will have a place to to house them safely. So the new road ahead, these two buildings were right now we are just prepping the the land. It's right next door to our main shelter. Um, but the official groundbreaking is in mid-June of this year, and we expect the facilities to all be open next July. So everything's starting to move really quickly. The uh, Behavior Rehabilitation and Rescue Center, that's, that's, uh, that's very interesting because we hear in the news so often about the rescue projects that go on, and, and this will really give an opportunity to be able to work with some of these animals that have gone through, in some cases, really horrendous uh, periods of time in their life. And so does this, you, you say that the building is, is constructed in a way so that it's effective for them. Does it give certain space or there certain rooms? Um, how, how is it set up to be able to help them? Yeah, so most importantly, it is away from our main shelter because the um, the team is currently working in an area of the shelter that is still very loud where you can hear, you know, some of the other shelter dogs barking. Um, the cats are in an area that's typically used for um, isolation for some of our medical um, cases. So most importantly, it will be quiet and it will be away from the main shelter. And so that that will, just that alone will, will make it um, a lot different. But again, this this facility is being designed from the ground up to accommodate this type of work. So for example, um, there will be what we call real life room set up. So, so, so room set up in the facility that mimic like a living room or other types of living spaces in someone's home. And that can help an animal really um, overcome some of their fear and you know, simulate what it's like to live in a home. As we move some of these animals one step closer to being available for adoption, it's really important to introduce them to some of those things that they may encounter in the real world. And for the cats, um, you know, giving cats an opportunity, we're going to have a sunroom basically for some of the cats that are in our behavior modification program. So they have an opportunity to have some of that enrichment that they currently don't get in the, in the space that they're currently in. So, you know, the ability to kind of run around a little bit more or maybe play with other cats or, um, you know, get some fresh air, things like that. Things that, you know, again, a lot of the, the issues that our behavior team is working with with these, with these particular animals, it's, you know, a lot of fear. It's a lot of trauma. And, you know, uh, progress is measured in baby steps. And the facilities that they're in are so important to their recovery. One thing the Oregon Humane Society does is investigate these cases. And so I imagine that's where the animal Animal Crimes Forensic Center is going to come. It kind of sounds like a CSI kind of thing for animal cases. Yeah, that is a, that's a great way to describe it. It definitely um, is is like CSI for animals. And the um, you know the the thing that's really unique about the work of our humane law enforcement team is that the victims of the crimes can't tell us what happened. So we have to do the um, the sleuthing through various means, and some of that is by taking X-rays and analyzing X-rays and analyzing old injuries and doing blood work. Like, for example, if an animal um, comes to us and is severely emaciated, um, we, you know, you can't just automatically assume that that dog hasn't been fed. Sometimes there are medical conditions that lead to that that type of state. So this forensic um, center will be able to 
to collect evidence, analyze evidence. And that work is currently happening here at OHS, but it's happening in our main hospital. So it's sort of being, the work is sort of off to the side of all the other work that's happening in the medical center, the spaying and neutering of all the shelter animals, the fixing of the broken legs, the exams, and all that kind of stuff. So this, again, will, will provide a purpose-built space to be able to do that work, um, assist other agencies in prosecuting animal crimes, as well as um, cases that we are the lead on. So the third part of the new project is the Community Teaching Hospital. Uh, is this for veterinarians who are learning? Is it for pet owners? How will this work? So, so both. So we've had a long partnership with Oregon State University training the next generation of, of vet students. And so that is something that we're looking to continue as we open the community teaching hospital. But we know that in the community, there are people who love their pets dearly, but may not be able to afford vet care. And a lot of times it could, you know, you could be going along just fine and say your, your dog has a broken leg or your cat is diagnosed with diabetes and needs insulin on a regular basis. And if your income is is really limited, that could, you know, that could push you over the edge of maybe considering giving up that animal. And and what we want to do is preserve that human animal bond. So this is one of the things that we don't want um, lack of access to, to veterinary care be a reason that people give up their pets. So the most important mission of the community teaching hospital is to be able to provide um, care on a sliding scale to under-resourced pet owners. Um, you know, pets play such a huge, important role in our lives. And for a lot of people that may be struggling financially or with other challenges in their life, that pet might really just be the thing that is is kind of holding them together. And, you know, what we never want to see happen is that person have to give up their pet because of uh, lack of access to veterinary care. Now, you mentioned the Oregon Humane Society works with the ASPCA. Talk to us a little bit more about the relationship between the two organizations. Yeah, so the ASPCA is a national organization, and the Oregon Humane Society is an Oregon-based nonprofit, and you're probably also familiar with Humane Society of the United States. So Humane Society of the United States and ASPCA are two national organizations. Um, despite our name, we are an independent Oregon-based nonprofit, but the Oregon Humane Society has a long history of working with the ASPCA. A lot of the animals that we um, receive, like, for example, from, from Texas, we partner with the ASPCA. They arrange all the transport um, and, and those animals come to us. We consult with experts at the ASPCA on a variety of things. Um, like I mentioned before, the Behavior and Rescue Center. The ASPCA is also um, does amazing work in disaster response. And so they will often call on OHS to send some of our responders to disasters where they are in charge of the animal rescue efforts. I was uh, personally um, uh, uh, fortunate enough, I don't know if that's the right word, but I was very grateful to be able to deploy with the ASPCA. I was in St. Croix with them after Hurricane Maria, and I was down in California after the campfire. And they're just an amazing organization, and um, it really, truly takes all of the animal welfare organizations around the country working together to improve the lives of animals. There's, there's no one agency or organization that can do it alone. We all have to work together. Each year, how many animals does the Oregon Humane Society help on average? 
So that's a really interesting question because 2020 was certainly an unusual year. And we, um, in, usually we adopt out about 11,000 animals a year. And that, that is, um, not including all the thousands of animals that we help through our spay and save program, which is our low cost spay neuter service um, for for owned pets in the community. Um, all the all the pets that are helped through our our classes and behavior helpline and things like that. So, um, you know, there are so many different ways that we help homeless animals and owned animals in our community. And 2020 was very interesting because we um, we had to completely change our adoption model. So I don't know if you've ever been up here to the shelter, but during kind of quote unquote normal times, you could, you know, walk in, walk around, see the animals, decide if you wanted to meet with someone. But because of COVID, we were, we were closed for public walkthrough, but we really we're very committed to still adopting animals out and making sure that they find good homes because we know for every animal that goes home, we have a kennel open to help the next animal in need. And we know that there is always going to be a need. So we moved to an adoption by appointment model. Um, our team just did an amazing job working so quickly and being so creative in how we help find these animals home. So if you find an animal, on our website that you're interested in adopting, you submit a questionnaire. One of our adoption specialists will call you and go through all that animal's specific needs. Um, and then if it seems like it's a good match, you set up an appointment, come into the shelter, and you get to meet with that animal. And, um, you know, nine times out of ten, it usually winds up being a good fit, and they go home. The other thing that our team did this year that I just thought was extraordinary was, you know, we, especially during the early days of the pandemic, and actually still, you know, our healthcare workers are under such enormous stress. And luckily, I think most of them are probably vaccinated by now. But early in the pandemic, you know, when you thought, think about healthcare workers who were caring for these COVID patients, putting themselves at risk, and, um, you know, they were truly heroes. So we, we wanted to make sure that we were providing everyone that wanted to, provi to adopt a pet, you know, a safe way to do that. And so we had a no contact model that we um, implemented for folks folks who were either very high risk for COVID or um, were healthcare workers that were working with COVID patients. And um, I was very fortunate. I got to meet um, a, uh, a healthcare worker, an MRI. She was an MRI technician from a local hospital and she adopted a cat and she, you know, she worked with COVID patients and she was super excited to have the companionship of a cat to, to come home to at the end of a long day to just kind of relax and, and de-stress. So, um, um, you know, again, pets have pay played such an, an incredibly important role in our life this past year. And um, here at the Oregon Humane Society, we're here to, to continue to serve the pets and people of the community. Now, are there opportunities for volunteers? And, and I imagine that the pandemic may have may have affected that in the last year. But are there, are there still opportunities? So that's a great question. So right now we are not um, uh, doing any new volunteer orientations. And you're right, last last March we had to really limit the number of people on site here at the shelter. We have uh, about 5,000 incredible volunteers in our, in our army of volunteers, and a lot of them started doing virtual volunteering from home, especially making masks and making uh, gowns for our medical team, um, you know, helping with um, writing 
writing and any, anything that could be done um, remotely. And so slowly since about September, we've been bringing back uh, volunteers on site, especially to help with our dog walking. Right now here at the shelter, we're pretty full with dogs and we have a lot of bigger, energetic dogs. So we're very grateful for our um, uh, volunteers who, who help walk the dogs here. But, you know, we're hoping to be able to restart uh, volunteer orientation so we can bring in some new volunteers. But, you know, that's going to be a slow process depending on how many people we can have in the building. Laura, is there anything else that you'd like to touch on that uh, maybe I didn't ask you about? Um, no, I just want to encourage everyone to sign up for Doggy Dash. Uh, these next 30 days are going to be super fun. And, um, you know, every dollar that's raised or that you donate really makes a difference. Uh, we have so many animals here that need special medical care or they've um, even some of them who just need spay-neuter surgery. You know, those funds are so critical for us to be able to do this work. That's Laura Klink with the Oregon Humane Society on their big fundraiser, Doggy Dash, and three big projects that are underway at the Oregon Humane Society. When you think about COVID, the election, Black Lives Matter, mass shootings, uh, you name it, you have to start wondering how badly this nation is truly divided. It, it may be the worst in our lifetime. How do you bring back America and Unite America? I stumbled across a website called Unite.us, and when you land on the page, you're greeted with this. My name is Archbishop Tabo Makobam, joining this call to unite from Cape Town in South Africa. I am so privileged to be with you here in Montgomery, Alabama. Coming to you from Manila, Philippines. I am joining the call to unite to bring the joy of story time to children around the world. My call is to make sure that we unite people by feeding them. I've been doing my best to spread positivity. Develop the skills of empathy and compassion. Take a stand for those who need help the most. Yeah, I I thought I recognized Julia Roberts' voice in there, but it's sad that I would uh, recognize that. Uh, but <laughs> the whole idea... It's a, it's a pretty big star. Yes. She's a pretty big star. Yeah, that's, she's a uniter. That's good. I am happy to hear that, and I'm happy to see this. Tim Shriver is the head of Special Olympics, and if you can connect the dots, nephew of President John Kennedy, uh, he has written a book, co-written a book called The Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening. Thank you for having me, Mark. I really am grateful to be able to share this with you, The Call to Unite, and your listeners. Yeah, I, just that little 30-second snippet that we heard. Uh, it was It's exciting, the number of people, and, and The Call to Unite through different channels, if you know what I mean. Exactly. I mean, you know, on the, at the Unite.us website, you can find you know, I, I, I don't want to turn people away, but 25 hours of anywhere from two to 10 minute videos from people like Julia Roberts and people like TD Jakes and people like, you know, Naomi Judd and people like Daniel Day Kim. And, you know, and the list goes on and on. Really, it's quite extraordinary. President Bush, President Clinton, uh, Deepak Chopra, you know, they're all there and they're all saying the same thing, which is, yeah, we've got real differences of opinion in our country, but we don't have to have hatred in our country. We, we can have a sense of unity that comes from first having some compassion for ourselves. I mean, as Pastor Rick Warren says in this book, we've been through a tsunami of grief yeah. uh, and being a little bit gentle with ourselves and then being a little gentle with each other. Goodness gracious. I mean, that shouldn't have to, you know, we shouldn't have to have a, 
a prayer meeting to remind ourselves uh, of the of the decency that comes from just treating others with a little bit of dignity when we know how much pain we've all been in. Yeah. Um, so this book is is a little bit of a companion, I hope, uh, for anybody who at their bedside table or on their coffee table wants a coach, a friend, you know, who can give them advice. And maybe that friend is Oprah. Maybe that friend is one of these uh, great religious leaders. Maybe that friend is Julia Roberts, but they're all there. You know, we're all, we've all got a voice on on uniting, but sometimes we don't hear it. So this is our attempt to bring it to the fore. So this book can be read in, in a chapter at a time, a verse at a time, if you will, a poem at a time when you need that little, little bit of inspiration. Exactly. I mean, you know, and some people don't like reading long books. I'm one of them. Uh, this book, you know, the average chapter is a page. Yeah. Uh, but the page from Jose Andres, the great celebrity chef, uh, inviting us to an empathy explosion. Don't we need that? You know, the page from Eva Longoria reminding every reader, you have a gift. You know, I read it over and over again. Because we need it. The page from Jewel, the, the great singer, yeah. uh, teaching her gratitude practice, you know, and she calls gratitude a hack for anxiety. So, you know, how many people are at home over the weekend, this weekend, and they're anxious? We, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a part of all of us. Uh, you open to Jewel and she'll just sit, it's almost like she sits down next to you in your, wherever you are, and teaches you how to combat that anxiety uh, with, with gratitude. I mean, it's quite beautiful. So the only correction I want to make is you said I wrote the book. I didn't write the book with my friend Tom Rosher. All we did was edit these contributions. Tim Shriver, co-editor of the Call to Unite Voices of Hope and Awakening. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Local Voices. I'm Brad Ford. You can hear past episodes on the iHeartRadio app under the podcast tab. Local Voices is a public affairs presentation from iHeartRadio.